0: Chapter 9 of Alice or the Wages of Sin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. Alice or the Wages of Sin by Frederick Worden Pangborn. Chapter 9 should a serpent tell me with a look like that there was no venom in his sting i would believe him while the senior member of the house of doger was busy making money and hunting thieves the younger member was playing a dangerous game albert despite his resolve to avoid all danger found himself unable to keep alice from his thoughts or to remain absent from her side an irresistible fate seemed to draw him to her which battle against it as he might was not to be conquered the flame was bright and the moth could not resist the temptation to singe his wings would that the metaphor were perfect and that in this case it had been only the moth which could be injured Alice was now deeply in love with Albert, a pure womanly love which only waited to be asked, and it would give its all to the well-being of the one whom it thought it had found worthy. Albert knew this, and thought of that other love, dead now, yet binding him with a galling, never-to-be-severed chain, maddened him. At times he thought he would tell Alice all his history and throw himself for mercy at her feet and beg her to cast him off. But it was a difficult thing to do. More than once he had almost done this, but at the crucial moment his courage would fail. Without meaning to, he had made love to her. How could it be otherwise with two persons? whose whole souls and tastes were akin and alice knew it knew it by instinct and waited with loving heart for more she knew that he loved her yet sometimes there would come over him fits of abstraction which seemed unexplainable and she would find herself distressed that she could not ask him to let her share his cares and show him how much she would bear for him on one occasion as they were riding along through a lonely region of silence one of these fits came upon him which distressed her so that she could no longer restrain herself from offering him her sympathy the silence had been of long duration and she said albert my friend what a tenderness was in her voice although she strove to make it merely friendly is there not some trouble brewing in your heart some wrong which a friend might share and bear with you making the burden less burdensome to the heart which now bears it alone I do not desire to intrude on your thoughts but i have noticed that often when with me you become troubled and i know that i am not the cause of this trouble whatever it may be if i were less your friend i might think it is i who have displeased you but true friends should not so judge the moods of their dear ones it is only silly schoolgirls who thus take crude offence at imagined wrongs if your trouble is one that a friend might share let me be that friend did ever manhood receive a truer tribute of love than this albert thought not and the words and the tone of the speaker's voice fell with telling power upon his heart He tried to make some commonplace answer, but the answer would not come. Such words as those just spoken do not admit of flippant reply. He was on the point of telling her all the truth, but the thought came that perhaps she might resent the insult which he had been offering her womanhood by his silent courtship. Should he tell her how he had loved her, while belonging to another woman and his courage failed him still he was moved to secure her sympathy so much did he yearn for it yes alice he replied there is a trouble weighing on my heart a trouble so sore that try as i will not to bear it about with me it will not down IT COMES TO ME IN THE LONE HOURS OF THE NIGHT, IT OFTEN FOLLOWS ME BY DAY, AND EVEN IN YOUR ENTERTAINING, he NEARLY SAID PRECIOUS, COMPANY, IT SOMETIMES FINDS ME OUT, AND WILL NOT BE DISPELLED. LIKE MANY OTHER MEN, I BEAR WITH ME A BURDEN, WHICH I CAN ALONE SCARCELY CARRY, AND WHICH ANOTHER CANNOT SHARE but are you sure that no friend could by his sympathy make your burden less heavy could not the sacred fellowship of a true friend's confidence become a solace in this sorrow or care even though it might not kill the sorrow or remove the care i fear not my friend there are often burdens in the soul of man the sharing of which with another might make them doubly weighty mine is such a burden begotten of no fault of mine but only a mistake it is mine to bear forever blighting my dearest hopes and making my life at times a thing which i would sell like esau for a mess of perishable pottage could i but enjoy the price and then die you should not talk like that she said it is not manly and does not please me if your trouble is of such a kind as you say bear it bravely and hope for a brighter day when it shall begin to be less of a burden live in your usefulness as a man and find comfort in your friends i do not ask you to tell me that which must be hid in secret whatever it be i believe you when you say that it is no fault of yours which blights your life and i offer you my truest friendship now if you will take it for what it is worth a friendship which asks nothing which it is not yours to give and which believes in your honesty and trusts you Surely men have had women friends who were above the grade of those who seek their opposites in sex merely that they may gain their affections later. Such a friendship I offer you, Albert. Will you accept it? How she loved this man, to whom she was proffering only friendship. She felt that he loved her, and that, for some reason, she knew not what, he could not tell her so. But she meant what she had said, and was willing to have it so decreed, if it could never be otherwise. When he told her that he was blameless, she believed him, and would have scorned to question him. And he, blameless, yes, he knew that it was not his fault that the dead had come to life, but, was he wholly blameless for his life subsequent to that revelation which had shown him that he could no longer think of alice but with sin he feared that he was not but he felt that he could not leave her alice he said his voice low and tender i accept your noble offer i take your friendship let it be ever as the friendship of those who parting in death hope to again clasp hands in a happier and fairer land than the one in which they part let it be a friendship true unquestioning and eternal i accept it and may god bless you for it they spoke no more that night but rode home in silence Albert felt a sense of relief. That bond of friendship seemed to have placed a guard about Alice, which made it seem that he was a little nearer to the path of right than before. But she, she loved him, and she had not the consolation of knowledge to soothe her disturbed mind. So the compact was made, and they continued to make love, calling it friendship what's in a name o fatal deceit that lies in ambiguity whether it be of word or sense these knew not even what friendship is meanwhile came the dreadful news of the crime committed by joe and the family returned to the city saddened by the disgrace which had come upon them alice felt for her brother most keenly and her pleadings with the stern old man his father were many and piteous but they availed nothing driven by despair and sorrow she took her trouble to albert who had also done all in his power to save joe from his father's just severity to albert the grief-stricken girl opened her heart and pleaded as portia pleaded for antonio in vain hope that he might win from his partner's rigorous heart some touch of mercy and albert was moved by this woman's tears as never woman had moved him before he promised her that if it were a possible thing to do he would save joe from the disgrace of state prison the trial was near at hand and mr dojere kept mostly by himself staying late at his office and leaving the house early in the morning his stout old heart was breaking but no one knew it such natures as his must always suffer in silence meanwhile the trial was approaching and joe had become certain that his doom was sealed Thornbury kept his own counsel and only when he had solved the problem made known his plans to alice and she moved by her woman's heart accepted them and forgave her friend as he asked her to for the wrong which he had done to please her so one dark rainy night a boat landed on the lonely shore of raritan bay and joe well disguised and accompanied by albert and alice stood upon the sands and clasped hands for the last time perhaps upon earth joe had full directions and money from albert and this was to be their last meeting the morrow would see joe fleeing for lands unknown while the other two WOULD RETURN HOME TO PRAY FOR THE ERRING ONE, AND KEEP THE SECRET. JOE WAS FREE. IN A SHORT TIME HE WOULD BE BEYOND CAPTURE, AND the STATE PRISON WOULD NEVER CONFINE HIM WITHIN ITS WALLS. A WOMAN'S PITY HAD SAVED HIM. A FRIEND'S FRAILTY HAD DELIVERED HIM FROM PUNISHMENT. ALBERT'S MONEY HAD BOUGHT HIM FREEDOM it could never buy back his reputation, it could never restore him to honour, but it had given him his liberty. He was free, and Albert, the man of business honour, whom no man could have moved to do a dishonest deed, had bribed the jailer and set the prisoner free, because a woman had pleaded with weeping eyes. That which he had done had been done for this woman whom he called his friend o oh, friendship what will you not induce men to do when your alias is love End of chapter nine